help pad his bank account. And I convinced him that only my distinguished place of employment, Christie's, could get him a higher price than the eight figures he'd paid five years ago. To keep Jack from contacting rival Sotheby's while we wined and dined him, I'd immediately made a $12 million guarantee. Every dollar above $12 million that the piece brought in would be split by Jack, the seller, and us, the auction house. I'd also promised him prime placement on the cover of our September auction catalog, skybox tickets to the Boston Red Sox, and a 90th birthday party for his father at the Christie's headquarters in New York. I assured him that he and his third wife would be put up at the plaza in the F. Scott Fitzgerald suite for the weekend, and that I'd personally take his youngest daughter to the American Girl store and to lunch at Delmonico's. Around strangers, she only eats condiments, he'd warned, pushing back his dapper mop of brown hair and giving his diabolical seven-year-old daughter a wink and several packets of ketchup before heading back to the hotel. Before I showed Jack the mock-up of our catalog, which I'd had the graphics department put together in 24 hours, I tied it with a linen bow handmade in Nantucket and spent 30 minutes starching and ironing it until it could barely be knotted. American furniture is mostly bought and sold by Americans, but this cabinet was a record-breaker. I knew collectors in Russia, Asia, and the Middle East would be interested. It was something we had to have. The courting we did in the American furniture department to woo estates was nothing compared to what went on in the bigger departments, old masters, impressionist, contemporary. I wanted Jack Davidson to build a relationship with Christie's and as soon as his beloved father, Paul Davidson, died, I wanted him to think of no one but Christie's when he sold his estate. So a big-dollar promise was made, and now I had to deliver on it. We both knew there was no guarantee I could keep my word. Worst-case scenario, it wouldn't sell for $12 million, and Christie's would own the piece. I would be branded a failure, and the next decade would see me selling plastic chairs in church parking lots, I woke up on auction day in my tiny apartment on East 59th Street and pushed back the covers an hour before sunrise. I went through the same ritualistic motions on every big auction day as I tried to steady my racing mind. I picked up the New York Times, and the front page headline read, Economy in Shambles, Never Spend Another Dime, Move to Burgeoning New Delhi, or something like that. But I was ignoring the pessimists. Those grisly economists always saw the champagne glass half empty, and there were lots of rich people left counting Bentleys and Picassos between their spoonfuls of fish eggs. I knew it was wrong to ask God for large sums of money to be spent on ludicrously expensive furniture, so I didn't pray. Audibly, anyway. Instead, I walked. It was the same every time my department had an auction. My alarm went off at 5.30 a.m., I ate an entire bar of dark chocolate and three organic breathmints, and then I hit the pavement for an hour. The morning of the desk auction, or Chippendale Day, as I'd been calling it during nervous phone calls to my therapist, I headed toward the park. I would start by strolling around the edge, the empty streets full of historic buildings inhabited by the extremely wealthy, and then, when the sun started to rise, I would turn into the park, watch the orange rays cover Manhattan, and sweat out a tiny portion of my nerves in the city's cloud of green. I walked 23 blocks, watched the yellow cabs race by, and climbed up and down the steps of the Metropolitan Museum of Art. 
All I could think about was money. Specifically, $12.2 million. I'd be happy with that. Not thrilled, but happy. I sat down on the steps, letting the morning wind slap my pale face and stretched out my arms. In the next hour, I would wash, dry, brush, powder, and paint myself into someone who looked like she knew what she was doing. I'd appear polished and intelligent, someone who deserved to have the job title Senior Specialist American Furniture and Decorative Arts, someone Christie's was proud to have associated with their venerable name. I thought back on the first full day I worked at Christie's as an employee instead of an intern. I was 21. I was terrified. But I knew much more about American furniture than your average college student. I was a little obsessed. I thought about getting a tattoo of a Chippendale drop-leaf dining table on my inner forearm. To me, it said passion, old world, awesome. To my parents, it said lunatic.